Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Pull String Press for this great studio. I am thrilled this morning to have Mike Williams, who is, if I read it here, it says executive author, my favorite one, productivity architect. And you work with innovators, pro athletes, executives, small businesses. Mike, we met at TEDx Camarillo a few years back. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Now, you live in the 805, but you but only three days a week, right? Because you, you yeah. travel someplace for work. Tell us where you work. Yeah, so I live in Camarillo. And then on Mondays, I get on a plane. I actually drive down to Long Beach. Hop a plane what? over you to Las Vegas. to Long Beach? I know. I know. I'm, I'm a dedicated uh, flyer with JetBlue. Is, is, oh, I love JetBlue. Yeah. And then I fly over to Las Vegas, and I work in Las Vegas from Monday to Thursday. And, and, and where do you work in Vegas? And I work at a company called Zappos. And Zappos uh, is an online retailer that sells uh, shoes and clothing. Um, they're known as being a very innovative company. Uh, the president and CEO there, Tony Shea, is um, kind of a very progressive business leader working on self-organizing organizations, creating the conditions for people to collide, creating the conditions for people to live a purpose-driven employment experience as well as a purpose-driven life. Um, so, so that's fantastic. And uh, in my role there, I play a role called the Getting Things Done GTD Enterprise Architect, where I come in and I help uh, individuals, exec, executives, teams, work groups, um, you know, be productive, uh, be purpose-driven, help help uh, align their actions to their purpose. So that was, that, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to Productivity Architect. I just love that title. I, yeah. And I also love how in the, uh, these days we can make up our own title. Yeah. Right, that says exactly what we do. Exactly. And... You know, you come from. Uh, I'm going to set our reader back a little bit. Tell them, tell us about getting things done. Just take us back there. I know that story. Very famous person in Ojai and yeah. the whole world. Take us a little bit back on that and how you got involved with that. Because what's interesting is, is most companies would buy the book or go to one of the seminars or the workshops or hire David to come in mm -hmm. and you're fully embedded in the organization. Like that, well, that's perfect, right? Like he right. said, Tony said, this is so important that we are black belt level proficiency in this art form, this skill of getting things done. We need to take one of the guys who literally helped write the books and put him in the organization. Did I get all that right? Yeah, yeah. Um you know, Tony is a, um, you know, a practitioner of getting things done and a black belt practitioner, I would say. And so he likes to create the conditions and invite people into experiences. It's the, this is the kind of thing where you can opt in. It's not forced on anybody, but it's kind of like, um, you know, bees to honey, uh, where once you get a taste of 
clarity, uh, being able to be present with your wife or your life partner at a dinner, uh, your ability to read a book and not have to read the same paragraph over three times because you're so distracted. I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, right. So, um, so basically, there's a lot of overwhelm and angst and stress going on right now, and this methodology is a good antidote to that. So to go back in time a little bit, uh, prior to joining Zappos, I was the president and CEO of the David Allen Company, working with David. Uh, David wrote the book, Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. So in that role, uh, you know, I, got, I learned a couple different things. One is the, the fabulous, rich experience of being in the mixed martial arts of small business. And which I is love the way you <laughs> fantastic. I totally get that. Yeah. And um, and then the other wonderful experience I got there is to be a, a coach, trainer, facilitator, keynote speaker for the company. So I got a chance to work with hundreds of companies, uh, work with thousands of people and to come through that experience to realize we're kind of all alone in this together. We feel it's just us. You know, we're the only ones. But I can tell you that you're not. And I can tell you that there is a way out. And uh, so that's what I learned in spades at the David Allen Company. And before the David Allen Company, I worked for General Electric. Really? Yeah, GE Healthcare in Burlington, Vermont. And um, so to make a long story short, I, my, it was a time in life when my son was four and my daughter was eight and we're living in Burlington and my wife's uh, parents would come stay with us. Uh, they're from Argentina. And so we had aging parents. So it was just really busy and hectic. And somehow through all that chaos, my wife and I went out for a date night on a Friday night at a restaurant called Lunig's on Church Street in Burlington, Vermont. And, you know, two glasses of wine, a bread basket. And for the life of me, I could not pay attention to my wife. I had Mm -mm. so much stuff on my mind. And then shortly thereafter, somebody placed uh, getting things done in my life. And I read it on a Friday and then uh, completed it uh, by Saturday. And by Sunday, I was in my office at GE just setting up my whole life according to the system that David has in the book. And I said, I got to prove this guy wrong as quickly as I can. No kidding. Yeah. That was your, that was what had you motivated. That's what had me motivated. And then, um, so I've I've been iterating on that system ever since. Um, And then I called into the David Allen company inquiring about services, ended up talking to his wife, Catherine, and Catherine hooked me up with David. She's lovely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then David and I did a podcast together back in the early, early days when they used to even ship them out on CD. He called <laughs> them in conversation. And um, so that started our relationship. And about five years after I read the book, um, David invited me down to Boston and said, we're looking for a CEO and you keep popping up on the top of our list. Would you be interested in moving to California and helping our little company in Ojai? And so moved out to California about six years ago. And then um, uh, David was a very progressive business leader as well. He's one of the first people to implement this thing called holacracy, which is a self-organized H-O-L-A-C-R-A-C-Y, holacracy. 
And holacracy is basically a, you know, a means for organizations to be self-organized. It's kind of like an operating system. It's kind of like GTD at the team or the company level, where it helps release the intrinsic motivation of the individuals uh, to do the work and the purpose of the organization. So through that, we ended up transforming the business from a professional services firm to a licensing firm. And now um, the David Allen Company is, uh, used to have about two people internationally. Now we've got, I think, 22 and uh, worldwide, uh, GTDs in 30-some-odd languages. And, um, and then around the same time, David invited me in to write a book uh, with him called uh, Getting Things Done for Teens because through all the seminars, people would say, this is life-changing. How do I get it to my family? How right, do I get right, it to my kids? Right, right. And um, around the same time I joined the company, uh, this uh, project started, and, and it finally got published um, this year, 2018, in July. And so now it's making its way through the world, um, first in the United States, and we've got the subrights sold to about 14 countries currently. Wow. So it's just a nice extension for the next generation. So I have a question. Yeah. I have a picture of the book. I'll put that in the show notes uh, so people can see that. And I'll also put a link to GTD in it. Is this the kind of book that a family can read together? I mean, does it, it says for teenagers, but I'm going to guess that, that like a mom and son or a mom and daughter it's hey, let's do this as a project together. Have you s seen that happen? Oh, for sure. We wrote it um, for caring adults that work with teens and teens. So a person could hand it to a teenager and say, you know, read this on your own, or um, you know, adults and teens can work through it together. And the and the beautiful thing about that is it gives an adult language to use in a coaching situation right, so you don't have to right, make it up. Right. And even the better thing is um, you can have your kid coach you through the same process because the process I use to coach CEOs and the process I use to coach 16-year-olds is exactly the same. The only difference is context. So a CEO context produces CEO content that needs to be run through the system. 16-year-old context produces 16-year-old content that needs to be run through the system. They, they all need to get stuff off their mind. They need to figure out the next actions to move something forward. Now, the, um, on the 16-year-old side, on the teen side, they're learning new habits and behaviors right. as part of the right. growing experience. Right. On the adult side, I have to kind of unlearn habits to right. you know, make space for the new habits. Um, so so that's, that's the neat part about the book. I even have some people who have written me since the book was published to say this is the first book that we give to our new hires because there's a lot of pictures and images and workflows that explain what GTD is in a visual format, and the language is, is um, just simple and straightforward. David writes so beautifully. He's got such a unique tone and cadence to his writing. And, but the first book, the, the GTD book, was written for that kind of uh, business executive and, and how to, um, a knowledge worker that's overwhelmed, which is 
which has been phenomenally successful and helpful for millions of people around the world. This one is written with a tune and tone for, for the teen and adults helping teens. So we, you know, my co-author, uh, Mark Wallace, who worked with me on the book, um, is using GTD, uh, these concepts at the elementary school level with, with uh, really good success. So it, it, it can start down there. And my daughter is now in Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and she's got a robust GTD system to help her manage the complexity and the freedom of being in college. So kind of the hidden um, goal for the book is when you leave high school, your mom or dad is not your trusted system, mm -hmm. that you can actually leave the nest, experience freedom, and not get choked by it, but thrive in it. You know, that kind of stuff. This this idea of overwhelm, our listeners absolutely knows what we're talking about. We've yeah. got listeners in 42 countries, and, you know, they're either entrepreneurs or around entrepreneurs entrepreneurs or their students or they want to do that I mean it's kind of who listens to the show and we've talked about we've talked about this problem of getting things done never actually called it that but yeah you guys have that uh, I'm, I'm curious as it relates to overwhelm what's the role of meditation in your life if there is one because mm -hmm. I found that to be one just on calming the monkey mind right right well um, two things. It's interesting that you say monkey mind because one of the key characters in the GTD for Teens book is this character we call Miggy. Miggy is the monkey. Huh. Miggy is based on the amygdala, which is in your oh. brain. That is the, the fight or flight, you know, jumping all around your brain. Uh, so, so that's interesting. So, and, um, but bringing it back down to meditation, there's really kind of two pathways. There's what shows up, and what shows up comes in through your senses. So you hear things, um, you smell things, you see things, and as that happens, thoughts start to emerge. And so as thoughts start to emerge, then you shift down into uh, a zone of what you practice. So. What shows up comes through your senses, produces thoughts, and then it drops down into awareness. And then, oh, I'm having a thought. What's this thought right. about? Right. And then it, it, it exits on your response to that thought. So that little loop is pretty powerful from a meditative perspective to understand what's showing up. Why is it producing this feeling in me? And then what do I want to do about it? So at its core, getting the Getting Things Done methodology is a series of well-placed questions that help ideas run through that loop. Huh. Okay. So we have you know, one process where we encourage you to get stuff off your mind. We call it a mind sweep. So the question is, what's got your attention? Like, and and let's, let's keep going until you're empty in your mind. But that question produces a sensation that produces thoughts that creates awareness. And the output is we have you write it down on a piece of paper. The act of now being able to see it on a piece of paper goes through your eyeballs to your prefrontal cortex, where in the book we call that person uh, Cortland, that, that 
Cortland, the prefrontal cortex, the wise old owl, is the personification of that. So now that you can see what you wrote down, just put that up into the beginning of the loop. Oh, I'm seeing a list of things. Uh, this is creating new thoughts. And as we drop down into awareness, we have this tool in the book called the transformer tool, which helps you determine based on these thoughts, is there anything you need to take action on? And there's two optional answers, yes or no. And then if yes, what's the next action? Is there a larger desired outcome? But to keep it really simple, you can just say, what's the next action I need to take to move on this thought? Some of them you can move on. Some of them you'll determine that, you know, it's not within my realm of control. So there's a little bit of acceptance. But that loop on each and every thought that you have is a form of meditation. So at its core, the way I experience it, GTD is, is almost like meditation in motion. It's almost like a Tai Chi for knowledge workers. And it helps you, if you do it day in and day out, just realize what's emerging from your senses and how you want to respond to it, which places the locus of control back within you and helps you find your intrinsic wisdom. So my, the essence of what I do is help people know that they're wise. I help them find their intrinsic wisdom. And the beauty of GTD and the methodology, again, is just a series of well-placed questions. And when you answer the question, you find the wisdom within. Even if the answer is, I don't know. Sure. If that shows up, then I would say, how do you move into the knowing? And it's usually Google or call somebody, yeah, right, <laughs> you right, know, right. something like that. So introducing these ideas to kids at a young age puts the, the control back within them to let them know that they can make stuff up and figure out how to make it happen. And that is the key skill for the 21st century. Make it up, make it happen, learn how to learn. And the smallest, the minimum viable product, all you need to know is that I just need to come up with one next action to take one step forward. The world will respond with information, and then I can use that to figure Make out the next, next step. step. Yeah. What's fascinating to me, and, and I've been around this world, but I haven't read the book, um, is my TED Talk, because I got to do a TED Talk in July. Awesome. And Congratulations. Uh, thank you. It's called See What You Think. Mm. Mm. So it's ex kind of what you just said. Yes. Uh, my, my thing is um, I say dive in and discover, which is I have a problem, except that you have a problem, then dive in and discover everything you know or don't know about that problem, which, which is your making the list thing until right. you're empty. And yeah. then I say cluster the chaos. So now let's put all that stuff in buckets so we understand it. But it's to that point of I see what I think. I didn't know it mm -hmm. to your exact point until you now offer that up to another sense, the eyeball. Yes. Right. And let the eyeball go, oh, yes. And now you because I experience exactly the same thing because I also saw the word visual, you know, for you. Yes. And looking at the teenager's book, it's very visual. I think that's not just a teenager thing now. No, it's I not. I think the phone has changed everything, and even 
Instagram and Facebook and social, you know, it's, it's, I'm an old guy, so it's, but I'm technology savvy, so I'm there, but mm -hmm. it's still disconcerting when I'm in a crowd of people and 85% of them are looking at a screen. Mm. You're just like, oh yeah. man. But if you want to get two people now, you've got to be able to figure out how to do that. So your book does that nicely. And the other thing I've noticed about you is um, you, it, uh, I call it talking in tweets, mm. which is you've, you've done this enough that you've got those little word sound bites which feel like they're all Instagram memes. It uh, could be. Right, make it up, make it happen, Tai Chi for the knowledge worker, meditation in motion, yeah. all are perfect little bits that you would see and go, okay, let's unpack mm. that. That's that's interesting. I, I love the, you know, because every, every morning I meditate uh, as a result of just figuring out how to be present because what you said, it's you started off with your your wife. Sorry about your wife. I'm mm -hmm. not present. I'm not here right now. Right. And through meditating, what happens is you just learn. You notice. Oh, I'm not being present. Okay, mm -hmm. that's interesting. Just observe it with interest and become present. Instant, like instant. Right. 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 And so I'm going to guess that. What happens, because this is a practice, as you said, this is, is something you do every single day. You do mm -hmm. it m all day, multiple times during the day, especially as we're trying to get things done. Right. You're like, oh, what do I do next? Oh, oh, now, oh, perfect. Now I need to start that loop. Right. And it's interesting because this is a practice, but it's, it's practicing in the space of the micro and the mundane. So in our practice, in this practice, if you have a thought that's semi-meaningful to you, we, you know, we would say just write it down and then get back to that place of, of having nothing on your mind. Uh, we, uh, David describes that as mind like water. I think it's a, it's a metaphor he took from, say, Bruce Lee or the martial arts we, community. We call it practicing stillness. Practicing exactly stillness, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So what, why are you not still? is the question, what's pulling me out of that state? Right. Right. And um, so very pragmatically, now you can get mechanical about it and just write it down. And, and that's the first step of the process. And there's five steps in the GTD process. And the second one is later on, you can clarify what that means to you and then organize it into a system where, it, where, where it's in a bucket that represents um, where that thing is stored, it matches the meaning. So I kind of call it the knowledge worker um, silverware drawer. You know, you got forks, knives, spoons, you have, you know, your calendar, next actions, and projects, and things that you're waiting for. Those are the primary list, particularly for adults. Um, so now you're using neuroscience and the brain in a way that it was designed to be used because your brain is an awesome pattern recognition machine. Oh, yeah. But so if you got the structures and the highways set up in a couple simple rules, just like when we drive on the roads, we barely remember driving, but we're in a very complicated vehicle on a road with a lot of other things going on. But because we have structure and simple rules, you can move things back and forth without a Quickly. lot of cognitive overload. Right now, when I work with people, I find the cognitive overload is like sticky notes here, 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 here. 
Are they at work? Are they at home? Where did I leave that thing? You know, typically when I walk into an office or a house, the first flat surface in the house is their major storage container for things because that stuff just follows the path of least resistance and ends, ends up building up, and that's backlog. So if you give structure and, and flow and give everything a destination, then that creates that clear space physically, which helps create the conditions for clear space mentally which helps create the conditions and the practice to enjoy clear space. And that's, you know, to your point about phones, to your point about, you know, uh, I don't think you said it, but technology, the volume, the velocity, all that kind of stuff is creeping in on our space to, to just be and think and daydream, which is a very important component of being human. <laughs> Have we forgotten how to daydream, do you think? I do think so. And that's a really important part of, uh, of your cognitive health because that's when ideas kind of click together. If you've ever laid on your back or, and watched the clouds go by or go for a long walk and notice that you came up with a solution to a problem you're working on, that's not by mistake. That, that's part of oh, the, way, the way the brain operates. So let's, let's go down that path for a second because I'm, I'm really interested in this, this notion of um, the subconscious. Someone just recently I read called it the superconscious. Only in the sense that by saying sub, you're demeaning it when it's 85% of what's going on in your brain. Yeah. So it is absolutely the majority of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And yet our, our and, and it might even be more than that. I'm sure my uh, neuroscientist listeners are throwing their phone right now. Drop me a note, tell me what the right number is. I know you'll do that. I love it, thank you, that's how I learn. Um, but I'm, I'm paying more attention to finding ways to connect into that. Oh, I remember the book. It is The Artist's Journey by Stephen Pressfield. Mm. Stephen Pressfield wrote The um, War of Art, right? Yes. Um, the, about resistance. Yes. Like what, and I'm sure you talk about re tackling resistance mm -hmm. in your whole, because that's a We big, call it procrastination, but it's, it's, it's the same similar. Thing. Yeah, it's, a, it's <laughs> a, no, all these Kissing things. Cousins. What's interesting <laughs> is this. Uh, uh, okay, well, okay. Yeah. Um, that that idea of the giving space for the subconscious and figuring out how to tap into it, he, he suggests that artists and creators, people who make stuff, have figured out a fluidity between the conscious and the subconscious uh, better. They can dip into that. Some might call mm -hmm. it the muse, you might call it the, but it's giving ourselves time. So the advice to uh, the entrepreneur who's listening is a great time to do that is uh, when you're exercising or when you're swimming or you're taking a walk instead of b being on the screen, it's like just kind of be with yourself, right? As you right. said, I like the word clear space. That's, mm -hmm. is, is that a term that, that you guys use a lot? Um, I think it's a broader term, but it, it, we uh, talk about creating space um, and creating space for reflection is, is one thing. Um, you know, the, the system itself, um, you know, you, you have the human being and you have the human doing. So the system reflects, once it's up and running, you've got the structures, it will record, you know, next actions, which are basically love notes to your future self of what you need to be doing. And if they're associated with a project, they're kind of a bookmark where you left off on the project. And when I 
pick up the project. I know exactly where I need to start. So after you get the system set up, after it earns a trusted place in your nervous system, your right. nervous system will, will trust that you'll use it, go back to it. The brain will see the categories, can make meaning and sense out of it and determine what to do. Once you get that set up and in your nervous system, then you can see the separation from the human being and the human doing. Because the human doing is out there in your system. That's your second brain. So you can look at that, turn away, and, and choose not to do anything and, and walk and doing do something serendipitously. Have uh, dinner with your wife, a beer with a buddy, whatever, and totally be there and not be overwhelmed by all the other stuff you got going on with your world. So... So this separation of human being and human doing doesn't come free. It, it's a result that your nervous system and your brain trust that you'll use this system to guide your doing and, and what you need to do. And the reflection, when you get into reflection space, having something to look at and reflect against is very important. The way I describe it, it's almost like you're, you are the hero on the hero's journey. Right. And you are writing your story one next action at a time. A project is your desired outcome. Why are you trying to get to that next action? Your areas of focus represent that, oh, the hero currently at this stage in their life is, a, is an individual, a father, a son, an entrepreneur, whatever they are. So these are the categories. So when you get to your reflection space, you can look at all this stuff that's been externalized about your story that's run through the wisdom of your heart that reflects where you are currently. And then the editor of the story can show up and say, hmm, it's a curious thing. Mm -hmm. I see the, the hero doing. I see where they're going and why. I kind of sense some aspirational stuff going on inside the hero. What am I going to do to write the next chapter? And you're calling this the reflection space. That is the reflection space um, that helps you see and define what's coming next. Do you find it? Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to lead the witness, uh, Your Honor. Uh, <laughs> do do people often forget the reflection phase? Yes, that's 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 probably one of the harder habits to develop even though from a, a time perspective it doesn't take much time so let's let's look at the entirety of let's just say a business year 2080 hours what we're talking about on a weekly standpoint is reflecting for one hour so out of the 2080 you got 52 hours of reflecting against your system and determining what you're going to do next week then some really kind of advanced people might even schedule a day or two or a weekend retreat to start using and showing up as the editor and reflecting at some of the higher horizons. What's the vision for my life? What's the purpose of my life? What are some multi-year milestones? What are the habits, routines, and systems, if I go back and audit my life, that are currently in play? Like, for example, in my world, I have to ask myself when I drive down to Long Beach to go to uh, JetBlue, why do I eat a bag of chips? I'm like, Mike, that's, if you do that for the rest of your life, that's not a recipe for success. So I can then say, all right, 
I'm going to substitute, you know, blueberries and carrots and, and put a better habit in that space. But it takes a little reflection to, to say, man, if I'm looking long-term and I do this hundreds and hundreds of times, what, what the system is perfectly designed to produce an outcome. So I have to look back in my life and see the systems, routines, habits, and play and ask myself, do I want to play those over and over and over again? Now, it's hard to see those when you're in it, but when you're reflecting about health in general and reflecting about how am I doing, those little personal wisdom nuggets can show up. And then as the editor, you can say, hmm, well, how am I going to rewrite this in the next chapter? <laughs> we could talk for three hours at least. Um, two things. One, uh, in our one of our masterminds we run this week was consistency over time equals results. Mm. Right? To, to your point. So good or bad. If I'm going to do that thing, I'm going to eat those chips over time. Guess what? I'm going to look at the scale and go, whoa, that just creeped up two ounces at a time, and all of a sudden I'm 20 over, right? Right. Um, which uh, I, I appreciate that. The other piece is um, in the last couple of years, we've been studying from a lot of different disciplines this notion of the reflection in we have a lot of work with military, and they call it an after-action review, an mm -hmm. AAR. Yep. Um, and so it's immediately after a thing while their packs are still on and the, and they're still sweating and hyperventilating or what? probably not hyperventilating because yeah. they're good breathers. Uh, they're talking about stuff. When we do our TEDx, we do it. Um, we, we have an acronym for it. It's the three W's. Uh, what worked, what, what went well, what needs work, and what went wrong. Mm -hmm. And we, and we do that with the whole team. And the, and the trick in that is to be uh, painfully honest. Right. Right. Would you agree? I, I agree. Yeah, for sure. And there's um, so another term for that could be the postmortem on a project or something. You heard of a premortem? I heard I was just going to go there. The, the pre-mortem. Let's talk I about love that. pre-mortem. Well, let's talk about that in the in the realm of entrepreneurs and creatives yes. and things like that because it's the bright creative people that can freak themselves out the fastest. <laughs> they can imagine wild disaster. Now, let's just reframe that and call that a pre-mortem because that, in, in essence, is what a pre-mortem is. Like, what's everything that can go wrong? Cool. This is a superhuman strength that you have if you're feeling these things and they feel really real. Just externalize them, write them down. Now, your opportunity is to imagine the opposite of that, to help you frame what could be. So if you, if you happen to start in that space, you can, you can imagine, you can use it as a tool to get to the opposite of that. Sometimes we, we suggest people try to imagine wild success as well. So. At, at the beginning of this uh, podcast or at the beginning of a meeting, internally or in partnership, we could ask, what is wild success for this podcast? Or is what, what is wild success for this meeting we're going to have? What's our desired outcome? That helps orient people towards why are we really here and right. what is wild success? So, so the idea that, um, again, going back to the beginning where you have senses, you have thoughts coming in, 
And then through that awareness, you can grab these tools, pre-mortem, post-mortem, transformer tool to transform them into thoughts and actions, whatever tool is appropriate in the loop at the time to transform these thoughts into something that is productive, creates the conditions for you to make a choice that increases the probability of your success. So all of that, uh, as a, I'm a chef as well, our listener knows I'm a chef, so I think of everything as recipes. Mm. Um, so that recipe, the net net of everything you just said leads to what's the next action. Is that correct? The next action is the DNA of life. <laughs> and everything else in in the getting things done book just goes to explain why a next action exists so that so that's the um you're familiar with with the tedx concept of and kimberly's concept of the core idea yes that's the core idea that is the core that is i mean the dna you can't get any you can't get, we're get, to get to the atomic, well, we get to atomic is, level. i guess it would be the atomic level or okay. or the you know you know, subatomic level. It's the one. We're going to get the quantum lowest. on our list yes. right now, right? For sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We could. <laughs> if we wanted to. Um, that that takes it the opposite way of, for the teenagers, though. It's it's for our uh, Nobel listeners who who understand it. Yeah. I want to go back to being present. Well, before we okay. leave the teenager comment, um, uh, I have a colleague who introduced this book to his teenager, and in the book we describe something called open loops. So these are ideas that haven't yet been closed. So, so he really, you know, one of the things that he really took from this is, oh, recognizing these ideas that are spinning in my head, writing them down and seeking ways to bring resolution to my open loop. If it takes more than a couple actions, we call that a project. You know, you've got a desired outcome. You want to get from here to there. You want to complete the book report. You want to try out for basketball. You want to apply for a job at, at um, Trader Joe's. So, so all these things he's, and or it could be, you know, at that space, could be musical, could be video, could be all kinds of wonderful creative projects as well. Um, so the idea of having open loops and closing open loops is also kind of in, the, you know, that atomic structure. And then the lifelong game is knowing the open loops that you have and and hopefully by the time we've expired we've closed well, most of them yeah. yeah so so that's that's a pretty powerful thing and then then you're not leaking energy like i had one person in, in one of my public seminars one time came in and she had been carrying the idea of i need to create a will i need to create a will for her financial situation. Your definition of an open loop. Her definition, and she'd been carrying it for 20 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so imagine how much energy is spent on thinking and rethinking and feeling bad about yourself and rethinking and rethinking. And then in the class, we wrote it down on a piece of paper. We just asked her, what's the next action? Oh, I need to send a note to my Facebook friends to see if they can offer any advice on how to start. She did that at lunchtime and boom, she came back, she was giddy. And we're all carrying around something like that. So not not um, throwing anybody under the bus here, but I have a friend. We'll just say a friend. Yeah. Who will spin, just mm -hmm. overwhelm. 
And I've just by intuition, not through knowing, but I think I'm doing what you're doing here. I said, just go sit down and there's so much to do. I have so much to do. Oh my God, I have so much to do. I said, just go write it all down. And that calms this person down. Just that. Mm -hmm. And then I said, then look at it and pick the most important thing. So I guess intuitively I was doing what you say. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that, pick the most important thing and determine the neck, the smallest physical visible action you need to take to move this forward. Okay. Good. That's I'll, it. I'll add the, that. Pretend like there's a video camera on you. What would I see you doing? Are you calling oh. somebody? Are you drafting something? Are you nailing the painting on the wall that's been on the floor forever? What is the next physical visible action? I love that. Um, it reminds me of the concept called the watcher. Where you, uh, I don't know what practice it is, but you turn the watcher on mm. and it's this little camera yes. <laughs> sitting, you know. And now we're so used to in social media, people have cameras that follow their lives. Like, how yes. weird is that? But um, you, you turn your watcher on, is what you're saying, mm -hmm. and say, what would the next? I, I really like that because that's. Uh, a tangible oh the camera's on oh what did i literally what do you do do you just sit there physically and do nothing no you're going to do something what is it are you going to avoid doing the thing right or are you going to do the thing and this is this this is when i first read david's book and i read that i had to reread it i actually had to practice gtd for a while to understand no he really means what is the next physical visible action you will take mm. and getting it down to that level is absolute brilliance because then you don't have to think about it anymore because you already did the thinking then you just got to pick it up when you have the time and you're in the right context to do it i love i, I love again how you went from big to small and yeah. you had said earlier it's about managing the micro yeah right it's it's that i want to uh, because we're we're getting close to the end of time it went just like that um this is also we've talked about being present Mm -hmm. And being still, we've talked about all of that, um, which leads me to something that our audience also knows. My listener knows I love talking about improv, mm -hmm. which is improv is about being still and empty, if you will, and listening and waiting for that, you know, like, oh, what's the give from the audience? Or I'm paying attention to my scene partner. How can I make them look good? And it's kind of, it's always what's the next action? And we actually, we do that. Am I going to reach for something behind me? Am I going to put on a robe? Am I going to offer them a little more tea? There's always that next action. And you're um, driven by, I have no idea what we're driven by. I mean, when it's really working, you have no idea where it came from, which is the beauty of it, right? Yes. And to your point, much, much earlier in the conversation, you said, we have that wisdom in us. You're just figuring out a way to open it up so that wisdom can come out. Yes. And um, if, if I have one goal for the rest of my life is to help people discover their intrinsic wisdom and knowledge so they can get out of their own way, right? Probably right, in right. improv, I would imagine what holds people back is they, the, they the, think the ego gets in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm embarrassed, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. It's not, not going to be yeah. funny and yeah. all that. Um, so, so life is improv. Oh yeah. So, so the only thing we got going on right now is our conversation. So everything else in our life is just been put on hold. Mm 
And so as a result of this conversation and us taking this next action, somehow inside of me, I've been transformed. Correct. So, yes. But that came from taking action in the world, getting in my car, <clears throat> driving here, showing up to have a conversation. And I love that part of it. It's almost like uh, ne nature never maximizes, but it's always optimizing based on current conditions. What variables are available, what nutrients is available, what energy is available right now, and how do I live within that on the edge, right? And so a next action is, is kind of a, a goodwill toss into the universe to say, if I take this next action, I trust you'll respond with some information and I can use that to figure out the next thing. And that can relieve so much over planning because you know, I've seen people try to you know, over plan something and then they spend a, a ton of energy on that. And then as they take the next action, the whole plan is now out the window because the next action showed them that uh, it needed to go in a different direction. You know, there are some contexts and situation where over planning is an asset, particularly risk management kind of situations. But, you know, um, in general, when I look at people's project lists, uh, if they can determine the next action and just have w at least just one, one that can unleash a ton of stuff for them. And then once they get that off their mind, then they're available to what's been waiting to be noticed. Mike, thank you so much for, for coming up and spending time with us. You drove north instead of south. Yes, <laughs> yes, I did. Here, uh, here it was fun. Santa Barbara. Um, our listener knows that this is the, the as we wind it up, um, s the person who, who's listening to the show either got it from a link from one of us or they saw it someplace or they heard another show and they're like, oh, that was pretty good. What else mm -hmm. is here? And they're looking at a list of titles. Mm -hmm. So... We like to make the titles interesting to make them, oh, I want to click on that sounds like that's going to be a good show. And we give you first dibs on titling the show. What would you, What should we call this conversation? Oh, I'm a reflective thinker, so I need time to noodle this kind of stuff. But we got to work on that with your improv. Yes, <laughs> I would say um, uh, what's your trusted system would be one candidate or your hero's journey but that might get, get confused with joseph campbell <laughs> what about what about um is getting things done not uh yeah. optional or you could use the byline of the book which i also love take control of your life in a distracting world i like that yeah I'm going to just say take control of your life. Yeah. Because that's that nice uh, action word. Mike, thank you so much. Mark, it's just, been a pleasure. It's been, been really great. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, me, uh, as well. And as we started, I said our our intersections have been, you know, a product of serendipity. We've met in all these different kind of contexts that have been unrelated. And I don't I, think it's a mistake. Oh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Thank you. I also so. want to thank, again, California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press. If you're interested in starting your own show, um, this sounds fun to you. Um, drop me a note, mark at 805connect.com, and we can have a conversation about that. 
also, as our listener knows, as you know, all of the shows come to us from serendipity, like Mike just said. Uh, so that could be from someone you saw or you'd like to be on the show. Drop me a note, mark at 805connect.com, and uh, we'll figure out a way to make that happen. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.